Hi, Dan Talks listeners. This week, I am talking to Ang Vo, who is a dance friend of mine that I met at the American Dance Festival a few years ago in Leah Cox's Choreo Lab, and we spent a few weeks making dance and performance together, and I've since followed Ang's trajectory from Brown to NYU studying performance and also had the pleasure of seeing them perform at the New York Live Arts Fresh Tracks performance uh, this past December. And it was a week before that performance, actually, that we sat down and had a really interesting conversation about performance and dance and desire. And I think you'll really enjoy the unique insights that Ang brings. So I hope you enjoy Ang Vo. Be afraid to speak up. Okay. You majored in performance studies at Brown. Yes. And you got your master's in performance studies at NYU Tisch. I mean, at Brown it was called theater arts and performance studies, but I was on a performance studies track. Okay. So my first question for you is what is performance? So formal. Oh my god. I mean, what is performance? I mean, whatever you look at as performance, it is performance. It's the frame. It's like, what, what is art? You frame it as such, and then it becomes... I personally, I mean, I believe in virtuosity. I believe in performance. I have some, like, performance are made by performance makers. Mm-hmm. So that's just how I approach it. People who have skill. Or Not who have skill, but, like, who have, like, spent time. Yeah. on it and spend time making it yeah Crafting for me it. yeah time and discipline is is part of my current investment what is the deal with the banana that was duct taped to the wall at oh art basel i mean that's some um, white boy art thing that i was it know. a white guy that did i actually it? don't know <laughs> but mean, it's of the white same is invested in that white boy bad boy situation that is not part of my practice uh-huh. like your practice it plays the game too much like I don't I'm not invested in playing the art game and that's a lot of commentary and critique and whatever like that's not my investment uh-huh you um you you're invested in commentary and critique no well you have but yes, you have but this whole aren't you a theorist wouldn't you say yes I would say I'm a theorist yes. a performance theorist Yes. And Whatever, yes. tell me the name of your website again. Cult Plastic. Cult Plastic. Yes. And you write a lot about pornography. Yes. Is it about pornography or is pornography uh, like alluding to something else? I mean, I try to stay within pornography. I don't try to go elsewhere because, but I, of course, I would do it. I don't like intellectualizing things. But I can't help it. How can you say you don't like intellectualizing things when you to went to Brown extent. and then NYU? <laughs> to, uh, I mean, I was guilty of playing into that game of going to elite institutions. And I mean, within it, you find space of actual things where they're happening, where it actually matters. Yeah. But um, for me, like the problem of... <laughs> doing a lot of work around pornography is people think you're not like people don't associate me with pornography per se like people associate me with like writing about it yeah 
which like has this level of abstraction that put the frame of the intellectual around it so that it makes it okay. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas in my work, I try as much as possible to stay within the pornographic frame and not so much. Like even when I write, I try to turn it into porn as much as I can. In what way? Uh, like a lot of a lot of vignettes talk about my own divi- uh, desires, so it becomes sort of masturbatory. Um, whereas if you, this is a very academic thing. If you go into porn studies, they talk about pornography as text because there's a tradition of talking about pornography as also important objects of study as much as other films, and they call other films text. So they have this, you know, theory applying onto the text. Whereas I try as much as I can to just make my own work become porn. Did you do that while you're at NYU getting your master's? Was your yeah? I mean, I because you have to write a. Um, you don't. I mean, it's bullshit. Well, it's a dissertation, I mean, right? No, you you had a as a master's student. Don't you write some final, final pro- project? Final project that could be anything. Okay, or take any form. Potentially. Or yes. is it always a paper? Yeah. No, it could take any form. Okay. I think you have to turn in a certain piece of writing. Yeah. But it's negotiable. Yeah. And Barbara Running, who teaches it, is like, whatever goes. So yeah. You can and do anything. And uh, what was the title of yours? Oh my God. I don't remember. <laughs> Something with Kobe Keller. I mean, I was studying him. That was like part of my thesis at Brown. And he does this project where he fucks people from all the states of America and it's called Kobe Does America <laughs> but it's yeah it's is he a performance artist or is he a theorist or is no, he he's a, a porn star he's a porn star you don't know Kobe Keller I don't what think I, so oh my god <laughs> white gay who oh well, my maybe, god maybe if which I saw white gays don't know Kobe Keller <laughs> maybe if, is he white yeah he's like super muscular started with like Sean Cody I know Sean Cody and the then like he did a lot with Cocky Boys and then Men.com. Okay. Cody. Like all the big What's studios. his last name? Keller. Cody Keller. You would definitely recognize him. Okay. I'll recognize <laughs> him. Oh, his, his body, his penis, whatever. Have you met him? No, but I've, I've written with him. But he actually goes to me a little bit. But I'm going to follow You've written him? Oh, oh. With him. Like okay. emailing him. Got it. And he replied? Yeah. He's very nice. Uh-huh. Like very long. He replied like a lot. For your project? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So is there, is, yeah. Did he seem to appreciate an academic reaching out to him about his yeah, I think so. project? I mean, he like had an MFA, so like he's also... He has an MFA? Yeah. In what? Painting. Oh, wow. Probably. I don't know. Wow. Visual arts, like something with visual arts. Is he rich? I don't think so. I mean, his whole project started with the whole ordeal about his landlord kicking him out of his apartment, and so... He sells everything he owns and fundraise and buy a truck and just live in a truck or a mini cabin. This is before or after he became a porn star? After. So he's already a porn star. Oh, but so he, he like did the project when basically he was his peak. And then now he's kind of no longer doing porn is there for like many reasons. I mean, I think he voted for Trump. So that like got people... Um, and he's vocal about that? Yeah, very vocal. But he's a communist. Do you kind so. of dig that, that he's a rebel? Or do you obviously think that it's terrible? Uh, I think it's terrible, but not like the way people make it out to be. Like the cancel culture where everything is black or white. Yeah. So actually, my master uh, 
go back to that uh, project deals with that of like how I can support this not not that that is part of it how I can support this white man who like does pretty horrible thing and yet I do believe in that project wholeheartedly what do you think he's approaching the project in an artistic way or in a um, no. entrepreneurial way I don't think he was entrepreneur not at all he didn't make any money then why it is he doing it was all for free he fundraised he did like 50, 60 videos, like all the states, each state has one or two videos, uh-huh. edited all by volunteers. Um, <laughs> that he filmed or something? He had two cameras. He fundraised, he got two cameras, and most of the thing are like on tripod. Most of the footage is pretty simple. Uh-huh. Uh, what is the final product is my question. Like the a bunch final of product is a website mm-hmm. with like 52 videos. Not 52 videos, like states. How many states in America? Like 50, 50 something. Yeah. <laughs> 50 states. But he also had uh, Israel. He go like Kobe does New York. Kobe does um, Virginia. Kobe does Israel. Uh-huh. Kobe does British Columbia. So there's some extra things that are not states. Okay. But each of them has one or two videos. You click into it and there just be videos and there's no coherent aesthetic because it's all volunteer. Uh-huh. And then he's just in whoever the guy's house is. Houses, nature, um, cars. So it's so it's it's very a lot of artistic <laughs> license, but I don't really approach it as art. I mean, of course it is, but I don't. Do you think he does though? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You I didn't mean, ask him that. I I don't think that's an interesting question. What? Did <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't. Know did you that. ask him why? Um, I mean, he he. He has done a lot of interviews, so I try to not ask those questions that he has already answered. Uh-huh. Um, well, what was his answer? The landlord thing. Like that well, then he got kicked out and he needed a shtick, and this was the shtick? I think it was a shtick. I mean, he's... Uh, I think he needs to really engage in how fucked up this economy way in an extreme manner. And do you think he got to know these guys across the country? Or he was interested so. in how they had sex yeah. differently? Or? I think that he knows these guys. Uh-huh. Also, I don't want, don't want to assume, but I think he does. I should have him on the pod if I want to grill him with these sort of questions. Yeah, you should. Yeah. But you wrote a paper but about it. Yeah, multiple, actually. And uh-huh. I, like, presented him in conference. So, like, he's, like, sort of, like, my muse and the person that I, quote-unquote, support. Yes, I do support his work. Yes. As a porn star? Uh, mostly Kobe does America. But as a person, sure. I mean, I don't know him, so I don't know. Uh-huh. Where does he live now? He told me, not Denver, somewhere, Detroit. Okay. I think. Not sure. Don't quote me on that. So, if you're studying porn, do you watch it and then you get distracted, or are you analyzing it? No, I mean mostly I watch it. Um, <laughs> this is this is a question of methodology. Um, I believe porn is made to be masturbated to. Or at least, like, in this commercial world that we live in, capitalism, porn, that's how all the techniques of porn is made to get the quote-unquote come shot. Or, I don't know what the for the women equivalent is, but porn has not been traditionally geared toward women. Yeah. So we just talk about this very oppressive thing. So I believe you should masturbate to it, to write about it. So I don't... The whole thing of watch and analyze is like this Western rational methodology where the apparatus has to be separate from the 
object right I don't believe in that so I most of the time I write for memory mm-hmm so even in a academic because I feel like did you say that you hate formalizing things or you hate um intellectualizing intellectualizing things, things. Yes. a little bit but you're still looking at it through like you're still writing about it from an academic yes. perspective afterwards yes even though it's super specific to you jacking yes. off to the porn yeah you're connect I imagine you're connecting it to broader themes of nationalism yes. racism yes desire yes. queer theory yes. yes all of that uh-huh and what have you found um <laughs> That's a big question. I don't know if I can answer that. I mean, specifically, most recently, when I wrote about Kobe Keller of Dealing Why, I'm still writing about and supporting it, even after the quote-unquote the horrible things that he has said. I think it's that horrible. Um, but The horrible thing of being Trump's not that bad or something? No, he voted for Trump because he believes that... Uh, I mean, this is a very also fucked up thing to say that um, Trump will make America wake up and then the revolution could come. Like, something along that line. Like, he's so bad that he's it'll so get bad better after... It will wake people up and make people realize how fucked up the country is. Okay. He wants to, like, punish the country, sort of, or something. Yeah, and then people would just be like, oh, white privilege. Like, oh, you can only say that because you're white. Yeah. Like, yes, okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's go somewhere else <laughs> uh, but yeah the thing that I'm writing about is um, oh my god this might get too academic are you still writing about it you did write about it. I did write about it. I mean I'm still writing about it yeah, I think I'll Cole stay Boston. with this project for like a long time uh-huh. just you know how like each theorist has like an artist that they push yeah I think Kobe Keller is one of those for me uh huh or like one of the people... So you do see him as an artist? Sure. I mean, it's not... That question is not that interesting for me. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't really care if someone is an artist or what they make you as art. like what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. Does he have another project? I mean, he has a lot of projects, but I don't, th- I don't know now. I mean, he used to run this blog, and then he would, like... <sighs> Okay, now I'm like not sure, but he definitely has some exchange thing where people buy him books and he like send him send back pictures or videos of him. So it's like sort of this personal correspondence in the book or like he has like wish lists and um, yeah, that people send him books on those wish lists. He has a wish list of books. Yeah. But that was, I think that was in the past. I don't think he's doing that anymore. Uh-huh. And then he would, like, send them personal pictures with the books on. Uh-huh. Pornographic. Yes. Um, your family, do they know about your research? I'm sure they... They don't, but I'm sure they do. They go like, or translate everything I write, so... Uh-huh. They do it to a certain extent. And do you, have you heard anything from them about that? Now it's a don't ask, don't tell situation. Uh-huh. And that works for me. Don't is that the same with, is that the same with your sexuality and marriage, etc.? Yeah, pretty much. Do they know you're married? Yes. My mom came and saw my partner when I graduated from Brown. I cannot believe that you were married the last time that we hung out. Yes. I mean I am. <laughs> and your your spouse? Yes, spouse. 
Lives husband, whatever. Yeah. Lives in near Jersey. In Jersey. Yeah. And you live in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So how often do you see each other? Um, only like once every week or two. I mean, we make art together. Uh huh. Like Kyle, that's that's their name. Um, Kyle. Yeah. Like design for my work at New York Live Arts this weekend. So uh-huh. I just saw him today. But you don't go home to him every night. Him, no. th- him or them? them? Them. Yeah. You don't go home to them every night? No. Do you want to? Sure, yeah. Eventually. What? Yeah. <laughs> Until when? When you're <laughs> married for a year? <laughs> um, I mean, once I've done with grad school. Um, but also, I don't know. That I always try oh, to... Oh, right, because they're at Princeton, right? No, Rutgers. Oh, Rutgers. Yes. Okay, yes. but they're going to school in Jersey. Yes. Okay. Um... But they, I the know. word of 2019, isn't that it exciting? Is. Yeah, it is. Mary Munster. It's cute. Yeah. It's a cute little thing. For all the babies out there. Yeah. Oh my god, I saw babies somewhere. Uh huh. From, oh my god, that performance artist, I forgot their name. What were you going to say? Um, I d- uh, try as much as I can to fight against this sort of desire for a nuclear family home. Uh huh. Because you don't want it? I do, and that's that's actually another thing that I'm trying. I was trying to get it with Kobe Keller, because I do want it. I I do want those. I do want white men. I do want a homonormative family. I do want to go home every night cooking and having a nine to five job. You do want and that, of course. I do want those things, and for me, it's this Western methodology of. Just simply saying no to things on a linguistic level doesn't work. For me, desire, it goes deeper into the psyche, into your affect. And part of, okay, bring back, part of like um, really acknowledging for me of like, this is what I desire and it's fucked up. For me, it's more radical than saying no to, saying a linguistic no to a fucked up desire. Mm. So that was my dealing with desire for Kobe Keller. Because you feel, and is Kyle white also? Black. Kyle's black. Yeah. But do you, you don't feel, you said you didn't like the fact that you were attracted to white guys. That you want, no, I didn't like. I think it's fucked up. Fucked <laughs> up that you're attracted to yeah. white men. Only. For a long time. Because of the history of what white men have done? No, because of the history of colonialism that... That's what I'm saying, God. ...that condition you to be attracted to white men. It's not so much what they've done, whatever whatever they've done, but the fact that, wow, they have somehow made it so that me from, in Vietnam, 16 years, just craving white men mm. from across the world, never seeing them in person. I mean, you see them in person once in a while. Interesting. And so you feel a little brainwashed or something, or just like inundated. Sure, brainwashed. Um, just conditioned, like thoroughly yeah, conditioned. Con- thoroughly conditioned, yes. What was it yes. like coming to the United States and being around a bunch of white guys? Were you like, at first, oh, this is great? Yeah, it felt great. I mean, I was in the UK for two years uh, in the boarding school, and I think I experimented much with sexuality. But yeah, at Brown, it felt, I guess it felt liberatory at first. And then you soon found out it was sort of like meh. Cause what was what was exciting about it? Then what was meh? Just it was exciting because they were hot. No, because you. So, I mean, this this is theorizing. This is not the case, but of 
oh, I finally get to like fuck white men. Mm. That so felt that like felt it was on a pedestal or something. But also of like, oh, it's like one of the first time I had sex, then it like, oh, new, uh, new sensation, new affects, like, oh, it's exciting. Uh-huh. For a bit. Yeah. And then, it's all the same. And then, all these white gays that you keep getting attracted to, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? What does the say about all the white gays that you keep being attracted, or that you were I guess you continue to be attracted to, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, I don't know. Basic. <laughs> a little bit. That they're basic? Uh, in Is that what you said? Yeah, a okay. little bit. In, the, in that they don't have particularly unique interests or points of view? I don't want to over-determine. I think now, looking back, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, they don't have any, like, Racial awareness, but I don't think that's the case. Spatial awareness? Racial. Oh, racial awareness. But I don't think that's the case. That's just... They just... I think that was the time where... Uh, I just get driven by the so-called natural taste, but the natural taste is actually so conditioned, so I end up with a lot of the same men. And they're they just not interesting, because they just... The same type of thing that I get, quote-unquote, attracted to, or be conditioned to be drawn towards. Basic white guys. Yeah, because our society sort of holds them up as being like a standard. Yeah, I mean, like a standard successful person or something, or the person with the most access, I guess. No, because it's normal. <laughs> it feels normal. Uh huh. I don't think it's not like I don't think it's that fancy of like oh I want that access they have I want the power. It just feels white guys just feel normal. Yeah, because they've been on TV grew up watching them and grew up seeing them as being the one with the sexual potency and the, all the desire that people have for them so you feel like that's normal to be attracted to them yeah I will say being one it did feel and growing up in Maine where it's pretty much all white people it did feel like I was very uh, normal yeah. and I still feel pretty now it feels a little more projected onto me than I'm normal but between what I look like and my gender expression every I mean I kind of in the middle I feel middle of the road in a lot of ways yeah but you wouldn't say that you feel that no yeah I don't think so <laughs> how would you feel um I think I mean it's I think the fact that I have this Vietnamese identity always keeps me grounded in my inability to be normal. Yeah. Like, whereas here, it's like pretty easy to traverse this art space as like a queer person who makes um, quote unquote groundbreaking works, like the cool kids. Experimental. Like, work. yeah, experimental. Like, that's commodifiable. So I don't find that that exciting, but. Even in making that, I know the shit I'm doing is illegal in Vietnam, um, and that is what keeps me going most of the time. Because for me, it's like, oh, this is the, the, you don't take the decisions you make for granted. Uh-huh. So I always keep that sort of yearning for Vietnam a little bit. Nostalgia. Do you still you do you have an open marriage? Yes. Yeah. Was that? clear from the beginning were you open from the beginning of your when you met yeah we were open I, and I don't think we acted on it until like maybe a 
year and a half in. Maybe two years, actually. I don't know when. Into your relationship? Yeah, into my relationship. Well, did you have rules about you have to tell me if you hook up with anybody? Uh, we actually said we shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can tell me once, but there's no... Obligation. Yes, no obligations to do that. So when somebody um, finally did, did you... Did someone bring it up? Yeah, Kyle talked to me, actually, be- before we went to the sex party, which is a great, great framework to negotiate with your boundaries, but you get to see everything, and then I start realizing, oh, that actually d- doesn't bother me. And so you're like, okay... I guess that's not the boundary. So it's I, for me, it's not about um, um, presetting your know, expectations and rules and oh my god, like you cannot do this. This is way my boundaries. It's for me, it's more in practice where you see the boundaries being negotiated in person. And for us, it was that sex party. Um, so I believe in this feeling. I believe in not linguistic but trusting your body basically if you have a visceral reaction to something yes and basically you saw him having sex with other people and you're like that's fine yeah (laughs) pretty much was that because you were having sex with someone else and you were distracted not really no I mean it took me a while to like be able to have sex with another person Uh in that party and I was like no because we were able to let that go why did it take you longer uh it's a negotiation it's like oh is Kyle okay with that and it's like oh no one cares sure uh-huh. so it takes a back and forth this non-verbal communication and you didn't feel any sense of heartbreak on any level yeah. or jealousy a little no, bit I don't feel I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm never happened in our three year relationship you've never been jealous no <laughs> I think that's a weird feeling. Maybe I'm just born weird. Even when I was a child, I never understand jealousy. I don't get it. What do you not get? Um, like, no one's entitled to jealousy. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think anyone's entitled to that feeling. Yeah, for me, that feeling is feeling entitlement. Somewhat possess- possessive, and I don't think you can possess anything. Or anyone. Uh-huh. How do you feel? Because I know you, you have, would even be conflicting feelings about capitalism. You would say that you don't believe in capitalism. Um, Certainly the way it is now. Yes. Yes. And that's because some people have more than other people that. Yes. And you would say that's unfair. Yes. But you don't have jealousy for those Why people. Why would I be jealous of them? That just means you want to be them. Yeah. You want yeah. there to be a redistribution. And fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be them. So you're not jealous about of anyone? In general? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure if you try to make that happen, that can happen. But I don't live around that feeling. Like, Do you have feelings for your husband? Yeah. <laughs> your spouse? Do you call, say husband or no? Yeah, I say husband. I say spouse. Do you call yourself a husband? Sure. Yes, I use or a wife. spouse, partner, and uh, husband interchangeably. Mm-hmm. But not wife? No. What's your gender identity? Uh, and has it shifted? I mean, for simplicity's sake, I always say non-binary, but like, yeah. I don't think anybody escaped the binary, so whatever. Um, 
I just say. That's why I use both he and they. And they. Um, so, man, you don't you don't just again you don't just linguistically say no to what you've been given and historically socialized. So I have to claim my manhood manhood at the same time. Uh huh. Other people don't claim it. That's sure. sure. Yes. That's very insightful. The the idea that the, the distinction between verbalizing something and how you actually feel and what your actual internal experience of it is and how those are so dance often different. You that. Dance teaches you that, so thanks, dance. Explain <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, there's like this huge distrust in language in dance, which for me has been very insightful um, because you, yeah, it's just not, which I guess is also similar in poetry at the same time where they really experiment with language and realize what is given is doesn't really mean what is said. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. dance helps to answer that question in a certain way. Or helps or you focus on feelings. Yeah. And helps you listen to it and uh, let yourself know what you want or not, when who you are. When people incorporate text into performance, it can get messy sometimes. Sure, yes. Especially when they wanted to, the text to mean something, I owe my I or to have an effect or something. Yeah, I always have text in performance. You do always. But does it mean something? Like, does yeah, it linguistically? I know it means yes, it has very an effect. linguistically. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like you write a paper and then you read it as you do something. Um, it ended up being that way. Uh huh. Even though for a long time I tried to resist having a script, and then I had to do it for. Um, Captioning uh-huh. accessibility, so yeah. that's the first time I actually wrote down what I say. Yeah, but so this is back to Vietnam, where rote memorization is such a thing. So I have a great memory where I can just remember what I've said. So pretty much every performance, I say the same thing, mm-hmm. even though I don't have them written down. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. What drove the decision to get married for you? What drove the decision? I don't know. Um, <laughs> part of it feelings, um, part of it buying into the structure of capitalism. Um, the feelings were feelings of love. Whatever. Yes, it is. I'm embarrassed talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so not cool. It's not. Uh, I yeah, it is cool. I think talk about it's not that cool. You don't think so? You're not into romance? It's like cute. It's, I mean, I love when academics talk about love. It's so awkward. <laughs> and I don't want to, me to appear like that. Well, that is how you appear. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I shouldn't talk about love. Well, no, I mean, it's funny to me because it sounds... You, you sort of run counter to the common dialogue of what spouse's attitudes are towards each other which is usually I love them more than anyone else they're my best friend I can never see myself being with anyone else we're only intimate with each other and we're building a life together and we fight but we always make up and never go to bed angry and etc etc and you're like well he lives in New Jersey and we see each other when we do and I think he's great but we have sex with whoever we want and that's kind of it marriage is more than sex no Marriage. I know I listed other things where you live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. 
I mean, someone said my, uh, a partnership is like for them it's more like alliance. And I guess I, I'm, it's something I resonate more with that, like, just because it's easier to go through capital society with two people because right. the society is built for that structure of two person household. Right. So it makes life easier. Does any part of you sort of like hate yourself for getting married so young? Like, no. oh my God, I'm supposed to be <laughs> radical and cool <laughs> and I'm married. I think marriage is radical. No, everyone is shocked that I'm married. Well, that you're married? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, oh my God. Yeah, but if another 25 year old got married, it would. Sure, but it doesn't mean the same thing. Yeah. Kelly doesn't. <laughs> Do you think any part of it was that you wanted to, you wanted to be like in here, like? No, that you wanted to be radical. Like no one would think you would get married, so you did. No, I mean it. W- I mean that decision came pretty organic. I think. Oops. Yeah. Kyle just proposed. Like I think eight months into us dating, and I like didn't see it coming. Wow. Say, like yes, yeah. And say no, I'm way too young, and what are you doing? And I haven't known you for four seasons. I mean, we've known each other for more seasons, for more than four seasons now, and it's been great. I guess that's the part of love. You just say yes to it. You just keep falling. So that's romantic. Yeah, but it's, it sounds uncool saying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you meet? Uh, at this, like... Sex party. <laughs> no, Providence uh, has this sort of artist workspace. Yeah, I was hanging down there and Kyle was living there. Uh-huh. Like, Providence has a very centralized art community. Uh-huh. Everything happens in this organization called A220. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how we met. And then we went dancing at a gay club and then we slept together and then we were like attached for a whole week. And then one thing just leads to another. You just keep falling and falling. And uh-huh. That's how love is, I guess. Do you find, uh, have you, I, I assume you've dated all different races. Yeah. Not Asian, no. You haven't dated an Asian guy? Yeah. Fuck my life. <laughs> Do you think you would, well, I guess you wouldn't date now, but you would, you could sleep with an Asian guy if you wanted to. I could date, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So you'd be open to that? Yeah. Do you think there's a reason? There's like oh, a weird yeah, many issue. reasons. <laughs> there are many reasons. Which so, we go there? So you'd say that you either subconsciously or consciously avoided dating Asian other Asian men. Uh, yeah, in a way. I mean, I was, I would say traumatized by Asian men. I think that's a coping mechanism of being able being able to equate masculinity with Asian masculinity and reject that by rejecting Asian men. That's one theory that I came up with. I was able to rationalize that, um, which for me is very pertinent. So, uh, part another part is Asian men are never sexualized. Um, I mean, there's this theory called racial castration. Asian men are not desirable objects, mm-hmm. which is true. Well, so that's how also it's portrayed. Part of it. Yeah, yeah, but how it's portrayed is not um, exclusive from from how you feel. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you find? Have you done any theorizing around your relationship with a black man now? Um. Not really. I mean. Or thought about what that dynamic means or anything. 
feel like that's a little bit reductive to think about race in this very sensualist way of someone belongs to this race falling in love and other and like this for me it's more of like I don't really see us as like a black and Asian um relationship that we can like oh my god we have this and then we can take it and theorize what does this relationship in black and Asia Asianness means. Like that's I don't think that's productive. Mm-hmm. Um because if anything, like my desire is more epitomizes a white man's desire than anything. So, your desire epitomizes a white man's desire. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's the same. <laughs> Explain that. What do you mean? Um, like if anything, your desires were decided for you or something. In a way, yes. Like I grew up with Hollywood movies and. Then softcore, softcore pornography in Hollywood, and also hardcore pornography in the West, and that was very much formative my desire. Yeah, and for me, that was a white man's product, and I'm a white man's product. And so, if you were to be married to a white man, that would be a that could be a barrier between you, like fully, like being in a relationship with a white man and not I feeling. Speculate that I don't know. I don't know what. Well, have you had a white boyfriend? No. I've just like Cause they've dated all people basic. and like slept with people, but no, I've never actually been in a relationship before so getting married. So. so Kyle was the first relationship. Yeah. Okay, got it. So maybe okay, that was a barrier to the white. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't even probably yeah. met a lot of basic white guys. <laughs> could have. There are a lot of them at Brown. But you could have. But you s- obviously not being re- reductive. You could have met the right guy who happened to be white and sure. fallen in love and yes. gotten married. That'd be very unfortunate, but yes. But that's my. Well, that's what I'm interested in is why. So you feel that that would be unfortunate. What is your feeling about your current relationship? I mean, that would be that unfortunate sort of because I don't have. I, if that happens, then I probably would not have any racial awakening in terms of desire. So I guess one part of being in relationship relationship with Kyle really. Um, makes me gives it creates a very a very grounded space for me to reflect on my past and present relationship with white men, right? Because he is not. Yeah, and then in a way, yes. And, and so in a way, it a little bit exempts you from the. Um, it gives like you a little bit of cloud of that. It gives you a little bit of distance, which. Again, methodology. I think you. I do think you need some distance from your object of study of to come up with theory, right? Except not when you're jacking off to it. Yeah, but you you get to come out of it when you write. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's the separation. Like you have you have some need some sort of distance, and for me, like just the Western methodology is all about severing and like just make the distance as wide as possible and no um, encounter at all costs where I'm more about like stepping in, pulling out, stepping in, pulling out. Yeah. So, yes. You are not attached to staying with Kyle forever. Um, I mean, I don't think that way. I mean, I would like to build that relationship forever. Yes. For the rest of your life. Sure. And you've taken a vow to do that. Sure, performative vow, yes. So it's not real to you? No. Performative doesn't mean it's not real. Performative means that it does something. 
uh-huh. and so what did it do? take that performative vow and that does solidify a relationship and brings it to a new level. We actually had a conversation about it where um, I was talking about how the institution of marriage for me is a very capital thing, but Kyle was talking about, but like we get married and that was like a ritual that catapults the relationship to the next level. And for me, it's like, yeah, that is not mutually exclusive. Like come in the same time. Like when you come in and you say those vows, that transforms the relationship somehow. Even if even if it doesn't ex- for me, even if it doesn't exist in this legal marriage thing, even if you just have like a performance piece that functions as a um, sort of relationship ritual that marks a different phase in a relationship. Yeah, but that wouldn't be a marriage. No, it wouldn't. But sure, yeah. You can have as many rituals as you want. <laughs> Uh, I feel like rituals are not that like give or take I feel like rituals are some discipline you commit to it and it's not just like same with the word performative it's not just like oh you just do it this is very performance study so yeah PS that Um, but you're not married until you have a marriage license yes and for me that's a very that's the capital part yeah and that's what you don't like yes even though I'm buying into that because then that got me a green card so uh. do you do you, you think the story is any less romantic because of the green card thing? No. <laughs> did, it add, did it add an urgency? That's like part and parcel of life. As a Marxist, the economy is everything. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. It's the, it's the base structure. That's the base of life. Do you think that accelerated the marriage at all? Or Kyle would have done that anyway, probably? I think, I mean, I don't think when Kyle proposed that was in Kyle's head. Yeah. And I, didn't, I don't even have in my head the idea of marriage. Yeah. So I want to say it's love yes and yet you know you can't you can't theorize you can't speculate what if the green card is not there I don't know <laughs> right I feel like knowing me I, I just say yes to things I say yes to everything almost what does that mean I say yes to everything like almost if I'm falling I would like say yes to keep doing it <laughs> if you're what if I'm falling I would say yes to keep doing it I would not like stop it that's if you're falling in love, you're saying. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's like bottom energy. If something's happening, you would not like... Yeah. Well, you do need that energy for bottoming. Yeah. You just really have to let it happen. Yeah. The resistance is what makes yeah. the problem, causes the problems. You have to say yes. You just have to say yes. Yeah. So I want, to see, I want to think of that, of me saying yes to the marriage as the bottom move of like, I'm committing to whatever is happening and I believe in it. And it happens to also coincide with the marriage structure of the capital society, and then you have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, which is like hard and not too, right? Like when you yeah, think about I it, it makes you angry. Everything is hard. So if you think about it, right? <laughs> yeah, everything is hard. Um, did you your study of pornography make you think about how you had sex? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And did it make you change your behavior at all? Of course, it changed. And I don't how know did how, it change? but of course, it changed. You don't know how? Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure all this theorizing about race fucked up with my, my attraction to men. So, or even like attraction to men in general. I don't think you say that it, your like attraction was fucked up, but how can it not be fucked up by for anybody really? Yeah, but for some people, it's more fucked up than others. Yeah, but then who has a pure like baseline for where their desires come from? You know, yeah, I mean, but when you when you are racialized and sexualized to not desire your own people. 
That's fucked up. To not desire your own people. Yeah. You're saying your own race. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's like completely destroy your psyche. Yeah. And there's a lot of writing on that, but um, I'm sure everything's fucked up. People say that. Sure. For me, specificity specificity matters. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you're all born into ideology, and ideology fucks everyone up, and da 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 da. But and and it fucks white guys up on the sure, end of the spectrum. Sure, it does. Where it doesn't it's not my work. I don't care about it. That's not what I'm invested in. Yeah. And some other people should do that work. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's. But I'm not saying that white guys are victims of anything, but I'm just saying yeah, that they are. I'm sure they are. They and they need to be to deal with that. Like part of. How fucked up is they don't deal with how they get fucked up by the world, but well, that's not what I'm here for. I don't. My work is not about trying to see how they have been fucked up by the world and then repairing them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not asking to be repaired. I'm just saying yeah. that the dichotomy between you feeling like you aren't attracted to your own race. I think for white guys, it's a feeling of like the world is your oyster and you can be attracted to anybody. Yeah. And it's like everybody is here for you. Which is very fucked up. Yes. Which is fuck which is, which is what I'm trying to say, is that it it's fucked up in a different way on yeah. the other side. Yeah. But do you think that there's like like there's probably already an over like people studying white men's desires is like being is it? Done by I don't think people. so. I really don't. Do you think because no one thinks to be think critical of it? <laughs> <laughs> no, also, I never think that there's like enough of anything. But yeah, um, I, re- I mean, sure, queer theory, Foucault, da da They've done a lot of work on that, but I, st- I don't think in terms of the uh, intersection or intersection. I don't like that word, but I'm saying it intersection of sex and race. I don't think there's much on that really like everyone's saying the same thing at the moment yeah how that's how I feel the like same thing say, which is we have to consider sex and race together <laughs> <laughs> yeah for Do me like there's n- there's no I mean of course there have been work and I've been excited by a lot of work but um, there has not been that many specificities and for me in my work I've tried to bring that specific- specificity as much as possible like history and how I don't even know. Too specific. Did you ever feel guilty that you weren't attracted to other Vietnamese guys? No. Why would I feel guilty about that? The world fucked me up. <laughs> that I'm just a product of whatever's happening. Yeah. I mean, not just a product, but yeah, pretty much. I have that sort of... Do you think if everyone looks at themselves as intensely as you did, that they would find the same thing, where that they, this is really just a product of the world they grew up in in terms of their sexual... It's not fucking what they come to so much. Um, I don't know I feel like because like where's the personal don't mean to drop this word agency in the whole thing yeah I mean I don't believe in agency in relation to the individual okay performance this is very performance studies the disbelief in individual subject and conceptualizing yourself as an individual that has some autonomy and Agency means approaching that autonomy. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that individual. Of course, you you have agency, but it's not about 
achieving individual autonomy. For me, agency is about negotiation with social history uh-huh. and the ability to negotiate that. For me, is where agency comes in, and performance helps you with that. Yeah, performance really like trains you and like helps you flex the muscle so you can negotiate with whatever comes your way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Sure. If people think the egotistical me is like, oh my god, if the world is just me, it would have been a much better place. But who am I to say? Of course, it's not. If the world was just you, you think? Yeah, it's just like six billions me. <laughs> but do you? Um, I don't believe in that. Just to have it on record, <laughs> I don't believe in that. Do you? Um, I, I feel like you think at a deep level a lot. <laughs> and I feel like I think at a, a sh- I think at a deep level sometimes. Sure. Do you ever get exhausted? Like I don't want to theorize this anymore. Like what's happening on the train right the- now? I feel like theorizing is not that exhausting. Theorizing is living. This sounds so cheesy. It does. Continue. Um, I mean, Jose Munoz talks about it. <laughs> it's like. Theorizing at its best is a doing, so if you do, you're theorizing. Like, he always talks about artists as, like, always the first level of theorizing, and he often put the artist onto the pedestal, and uh, he's thinking of theory as, like, continue the doing of that, what the artist already started. And for me, that's, like, the best way to approach theory, and that's how I approach it. So I don't think it's that exhausting. Unless you think making art is exhausting. It is exhausting. Making art is very exhausting. So theorizing is as exhausting just as making art is. Do you have any... (laughs) Do you have any, um... Desire for fame? Um... Sure. One can say so. Yes. Well... (laughs) Does that mean, sure, one can say so. The answer is yes, I I do. I don't know what your concept of fame is. Uh, Having a lot of followers on Instagram, a lot of money, a lot of engagements. Um, Having your work. For me, it's too short-sighted. I want to achieve. Um, For me, it's about... You don't like saying what you want to achieve? I I, I don't think the word achieve encapsulates what I was gonna say. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, I always think about like Marx, like, oh, when he wrote those books, like no one knows what the fuck is happening, and he couldn't even predict like what his work lives on. And for me, I always think of my work as such, like wanting to live past my lifespan, and. I guess that's in a way fame in the way of like wanting your work to continue to live on yeah beyond you but you don't have any concern about being adored for anything no yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you do have a desire to be seen yeah so in in so far as it helps my work live on well live performance it doesn't help it live on yes it does of course it does if people write about it yeah, and that's part of the ecology. You right. write about it, you talk about it, you keep making works, 
your previous works feed into your next work and then you talk about people talk to people about your work and then people see your work and they exchange other people like it for me that's part of the performance performance not that making the product but the making of a product for me enables that uh-huh do you think you would enjoy being wealthy uh that would be nice i think my parents are wealthy uh and that definitely enables a lot of things i mean they're not like wealthy wealthy like the americans wealthy uh they're like vietnamese wealthy um so i would not starve but they don't like send me money <laughs> like crazy money for me to live on Uh, so, but they send some. Yeah, some regularly. <sighs> Maybe like once a year. Oh, okay. Lump. Yeah. Like, a, I'm like I'm starving. Mom, help. Uh huh. And that takes a lot of effort to just like ask for help. Yes. That's this culture. I mean, it doesn't. It takes a lot of effort thinking in English, but then when you do it in Vietnamese, it's fine because. The, In Vietnam, you don't have this thing of like when your kids are eighteen, you kick them out. Uh huh. Your parents help you, and that's natural. <laughs> and they and they don't say no. You're writing about pornography. We're not no. helping you. No. That's nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice. It's like progressive parents in Vietnam. Oh yeah, my mom's very progressive, not my dad. But my dad has no say in my life, so. so are they still married? Dealing with yeah. But you. It's a strange situation. Very strange situation. Uh huh. But yes, they're still married. Do you want to be wealthy? Um, independently, I have the fantasy. <laughs> I don't think that I will actively try to achieve it because then I wouldn't have gone into the arts, like clearly. Do you think there's a potential to become wealthy in the field that you've chosen? No. <laughs> Is anyone healthy in this field? In experimental dance? I don't know anybody who like is wealthy from making experimental dances. Right. Who? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I either. don't know. But, But I'm sure there are wealthy people who have gone into experimental dance and then make the works and stay wealthy. But like to generate wealth from experimental dance, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah. But so yeah, I have no dreams of <laughs> making money. If anything, my partner will make money, not me. Uh -huh. It was visual arts. Visual arts. I think visual arts actually had some opportunity of like selling works. Right. Experimental dance. What the fuck? Who buys your work? Right. Do you think there's a certain there's less pressure? Do you think you're able to make better work basically since the prospect of money is not there? No. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, people say that. Oh my god, I've heard bitches saying like, "Oh, New York is much better in Europe. The work here feels more urgent because people here are starving." I'm like, "Fuck that shit." I don't want to propagate that. Yeah. I, if I don't know if I believe in it, I just don't want to propagate that illusion of, "Oh, because the money is not here, people make works because they actually want to make works." I'm like, "That's bullshit." I would go. I'm still going where the money is. I just believe in. Experimental dance, mm -hmm. and you want to be wealthy, but you don't care to take steps. I don't. I have fantasy of being wealthy. I don't think I want to be wealthy. What do you want? 
uh, my work to live on actually cheesy but that's it that is what it is I think you have to be a, a little bit egotistical to do this kind of work like theory and also experimental dance but if you don't believe in it yourself and if you don't hype yourself up like no one's gonna do it for you and that's what I learned from the West the West are very good at that like in Vietnam no one would teach me to think that way but Western society with this individualism really teaches you to be a little egotistical so it pulls me in that direction and that really helped so appreciate that from education yeah so yeah I want to just make works and propagate it yeah in many ways I feel my work is a propaganda the moment I'm in the work the moment I'm in the studio I don't really care about this curators shows reviews yeah hopefully I want that to stay forever so we'll see studio is a sacred space